Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town with this week's guest from Fort Worth, Texas, singer-songwriter Abraham Alexander. Kelsey Freeman, author and advocate focused on immigration policy. And from San Francisco, Canadian singer-songwriter Bruce Coburn. I'm Helen Forster. Right now, join me in welcoming our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E-Town. Welcome to E-Town Hall. We have so much to get to this week. we got a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, Bruce Coburn is with us. And he's back here at E-Town. He's got a new record. I think it's his 34th record, which is ridiculous. He's just got such an incredible uh, legacy body of work. It's just great to see him cranking it out still. We've got um, author Kelsey Freeman is here. She's written a book that's a collection of stories that she gathered when she was down in Mexico, stories of migrants coming up from Central America, hoping to get to the US, and just what their stories are like. We're going to touch on that in a little while. Up first, we've got an artist whose story is both unlikely and inspiring, and uh, it includes stories of migration and evolution and creativity and uh, coincidence and perseverance. Abraham Alexander was born in Athens, Greece, into a family that had immigrated from Nigeria. He lived there till he was about 11, and then they, the family got a kind of a lottery visa that allowed them to come to the US. But his story is much deeper, much more complex than that. His mom was killed in an accident with a drunk driver, and uh, he was adopted and raised in Fort Worth. He was a great soccer player, aiming in that direction. Then he tore his ACL and had to shift gears. And it was at that point that his girlfriend gave him a guitar, and he started really diving into that. And the story is literally kind of cinematic and spectacular. But the bottom line is, he's just released his first record this year. He's got special guests on it, including Mavis Staples and Gary Clark Jr. He's just played Bonnaroo and the Newport Folk Festival, and he's just getting started. So we are very happy to welcome, for the first time, to E-Town, Abraham Alexander. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you to E-Town for having me. This first song is called Knee Deep. My parents did something very brave. I was born in Athens, Greece, and uh, they thought the best thing to do for a young black kid living his best life in one of the most beautiful countries in the world was to move to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I'm still doing therapy over that. <laughs> this song sort of inspired the album. There's a photo of me and my brothers in the ocean in Greece, and it was the last week that we were gonna spend there. And we were just being lost in the ocean, being lost in the vastness. And when it was time to leave, my mom was like, all right, hurry up, we've got to go. And I was reluctant. And I remember seeing her face turn away and she started to cry. And it was as if uh, she wasn't crying because I was being a child, being disobedient. I think she was crying because she was trying to muster up courage within herself. And she was telling herself to hurry up because we've got places to go. So uh, I think sometimes what's easy 
isn't necessarily what's best, but it's going knee deep. And um, this song is to honor my mother and the decision of going, of going deep. to go oh my hurry up hurry up drive them off drive them off we've got places to go need deep in the unknown Start to rehearse Sweet lies, goodbyes, new life When I know Everything's gonna change And maybe I'm naive Just a young to see Distant memories I'm blind in me Well, she said Hurry up, hurry up Dry them off, dry them off We've got places to go We've got places to go Oh my Hurry up, hurry up Dry them off, dry them off We've got places to go Knee deep in the unknown Just a little longer I'm not ready to go Just a little longer Places to go, 
We got places to go, my dear Hurry up, hurry up Drive them off, drive them off We got places to go We got, we got, we got here Thank you so much. As Nick mentioned, uh, when I was 11, my mom passed away and she was hit by a drunk driver. But what's crazy about that is maybe a month before she passed away, she used to get me and my brothers into a room and she would tell us that if anything were to happen to her, that she wanted me and my brothers to sort of keep each other strong and to help one another and to be with our dad and the whole parable about a just man falling seven times, but he rises on the eighth and all these words of encouragement. And I feel like any other child would have loved those conversations, but I hated it mostly because she used to get us up at three, four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Just looking back now, I wish I would have cherished those moments maybe a little bit more. And uh, I wrote this song called Today to take those songs and, and write them and constantly play them and, and live, live in that moment. So this is, this is Today. If I was to die today, what is it I would tell you? Maybe I could share my pain. I hope it never fails you. Sit down, my son. Let me talk to you. Let your shadow be your best friend. On this race you run, you will fall this true. But please don't let it be the end Don't forget to breathe, take it easy Every scar that you have, it will slowly heal And that dopamine that you don't need Gonna turn your head to stone in a heartbeat If I was to die today What is it I would tell you? Maybe I could share my pain I hope it never fails you You say it's funny how the Lord gives and takes 
Joy with rain on a wedding day If I was the daddy What is it I would tell you? Keep your umbrellas close When I'm just a ghost My bones are fading Time is running low There is something Gotta let you know Heaven's open And I wanna go If I was to die today What is it I would tell you? Maybe I could share my pain I hope it never fails you it's funny how the love gives and takes Joy with the rain on a wedding day If I was the daddy day What is it I would tell you, you, you Share my pain I hope it never fails you You say it's funny how the love Gives and takes Joy with the rain on a wedding day If I was to die today What is it I would tell you Abraham Alexander, welcome to E-Town. Um, man, oh man, you got the whole thing. You can sing and play and write songs. And, and as I understand it, this is something you came to kind of later, like you were, you were gonna play soccer. That was, that was it, that was my plan. Yeah. Um, they say you make plans and God laughs. And uh, he laughed as I was tripping. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting because these songs are obviously cathartic for you. These are, mm -hmm. This is a way for you to process all this stuff. And as I understand it, you were working in a bank. And so I'm just trying to imagine how you could process that stuff, you know, um, as a banker. Yeah, it's harder, right? It, it is. But, you know, while this particular time is, is I was being a banker and teller and counting money that I wish I had, uh, in that moment, I was very meticulous about listening to that innate voice within each yeah. and every single one of us and also just diving into something creative which was the the instrument and for me like you you might hear my voice right now but i didn't know how to speak english like coming to the states and so the way for me to connect was playing sports yeah. and i lost that and so for me i needed another outlet and that outlet was learning how to play right. the guitar and so everything i did was around this. So I would yeah. go to work, bring my guitar with me, wow. going to my lunch break. I'm going back to the car, sitting in the hot Texas sun, learning how to 
you know, play, yeah. would come back sweating. And after a while, I got smart and stopped. And so I started going to the smoke room that was in, in the office. And so I would come back smelling like a chain smoker. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because when I was growing up and obviously, you know, passionate about learning how to play guitar, I didn't have YouTube. I didn't have any, you know, we had to, I just like slow down the records and stuff like that. That's but why I, you guys are so much better than we are. No, no, no. You, 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 that's why it took a lot longer too. But it's super cool. And there is, there is a story that, that's out there that I'm sure is true about um, the sort of magic and serendipity and coincidence and grace that led you from one spot in your life to another, which had to do with you while you're working at the bank, waiting for a friend who isn't there yet. You see some guys unloading some gear out of a van. Is yeah. That, that's a true story, I suspect. Very, very true story. And one that I'm grateful for and still to this day just why me out of anyone and just being in that particular moment and that moment led me to what happened exactly so the you, you just went up to the people say hey are you dudes in a band or what did you do pretty much yeah. just like I, I think in that moment of listening to that voice within me and and I, I told myself like everything around creativity around music that I'm gonna let this voice like steer me and these individuals were hauling guitars out of their van and that voice was like go find out what they're doing and i was like i don't know if i want to this is a, a weird area um it's it was a neighborhood without the neighbor uh so <laughs> i've never said that before all right cool. <laughs> Uh, so, so it could have gone either way. They could have been stealing that stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I don't want to be. So, you know, yeah, you're that guy. I, I, I don't want to be complacent to robbery. You know. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I, I went to go and see what they were doing, and they were like, "Hey, we're recording this guy named Leon Bridges," and they were like, "Can you sing?" And I said, "No, I cannot sing." I, I couldn't at this moment, like I wasn't singing, I was just playing guitar. And they're like, can you hum? Because we need as many different voices and timbre as possible. I was like, I think I can hum. <laughs> and so they invited me to the session the next day. And I worked the longest shift that I've ever worked at the bank. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna go home. I'm tired. It's been a long day and I'm heading home. And the exit that leads me to go towards my house was blocked. And so I'm like, all right. And guess what? The only way that I could go home was by going by where the studio was located. And so I go, um, I'm going, I was like, you know what? I'm here. I might as well stop by. And that is how I found myself into the coming home sessions of Leon's first album. And it was in that moment that I, let's say perception is reality. And before learning and trying to learn how to play the instrument, I didn't know what a studio was. I didn't know what it was like to try to record, what a mic is, like none of that. And so being in, in those sessions was such a unique way of connecting and bringing something out and helping someone bring something yeah. out of them. I'll say. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it, it was surreal. And it was Leon that told me like, dude, start writing songs and start doing open mics and see where it takes you. And it was that 
sort of yeah. voice. And how does how does he like your new record? He loves it. He's right. a, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He loves it. He loves it. He loves That's it. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Gary Clark Jr., who is on the album, I met him because of Leon. And so I used to watch YouTube videos of Gary Clark Jr. And that's how I'd learn how to yeah. play guitar. And Leon knew this. Yeah. And he invited me over to a session that he was doing two years after we met. And he goes, dude, come by the studio. I'm, I'm working on some stuff. Would love some inspiration. And I was like, I don't know what inspiration you need from me. And so I, I get to the studio, same one. And standing outside was this tall, slender man smoking a cigarette. And I lost it because I knew exactly who it was. Yeah. And it was Gary. Yeah, and, one of your heroes. Yeah. And uh, that's cool. It, it was amazing. Yeah. Hey, in case you just tuned in, you're listening to E Town. I'm Nick Forster. I'm here with Abraham Alexander. Well, you know, the funny thing is because you grew up in a, in a Christian spiritual family, right? Yeah. Like you're, this was an important part of your upbringing. And these songs you put together for this record are about these feelings, this experience, as you said, this cathartic way of processing love and grief and uh, life in its many manifestations in your, in your journey. Um, and it feels like a blues record in a way because mm -hmm. of the themes and because of the pain and because of what you're sharing. It feels also a little bit like a gospel record at certain moments because it's got that you know, focus on spirit and the feelings. And then just when you're getting that vibe, here comes Mavis Staples to sing along with you. And, um, you know, that's another one of those sort of like, what and how did that happen? And I don't need to know all the details because we know and love Mavis and have had a chance to work with her. And, yeah. um, but she makes everything, she lifts everything up. She does. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so I think with those that circle of friends that um, surround you, that have helped launch you. And literally, it's just like, couldn't be a bigger pivot from where you were to where you are now, really. Absolutely. You know, for me, and I've always been this way, I don't hold my dreams with a closed fist. I hold them with an open one because that's how you receive. And if you're holding on to them with a the closed fist, it's like sand, it, it falls off. Well, it's kind of like music too. It's like, um, the best way to make music with other people is to listen. Absolutely. And so if you've got an idea and an open mind and you're cultivating your intuition and you're allowing yourself to be open to things like guys that might be stealing guitars out of the van, but maybe they're not. <laughs> that looks like I think I will walk up to them yeah. and see, see what happens. I mean, that literally was the thing that changed everything for you. So yeah, I dig it. I understand. And... Um, I'm glad that you're able to do all this stuff and, and to process these feelings. And when you're writing songs now, is it a discipline you do every day? Is it a thing you wait for inspiration or you just see what happens? Or It's sort of a combination of both. You know, I, I try to be disciplined and, and write, but at the same time, it's like I care about what I write about. And there is the discipline of like, all right, a window, and I'm gonna try to give a bunch of similes and metaphors and what windows mean. That is the extent of my writing. Yeah. And then I'll let the inspiration come. And then the practice of describing the window sort of helps in describing the emotion and the feeling and the inspiration. And so, but this record just came out and I want to sit and enjoy it and, yeah. and play it. And going on my very first headlining run coming this fall. And I just sort of want to dive into that and enjoy the process of what this journey has been. Yeah. Um, so Still kick a soccer ball from time to time? 
I don't, unfortunately. The the risk versus reward uh, <laughs> is is too high at this point. Yeah, yeah. I can't be playing for t-shirts no more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, well, listen, we're going to hear some more music. Welcome back, if you would, from now Fort Worth, Texas, Abraham Alexander. This is one called Stay, and it's the song that... Uh, Gary Clark Jr. is featured on. It's really cool getting to play with all these beautiful individuals. And we played it earlier for like a few seconds and it just sounds angelic. Um, so let's do it. I was wrong, I know. Am I the one to bleed? I found another home Heard her calling out my name Tell me if I go too far Would I become the lonesome, lone star? Tell me if I go too far Would I ever find my way back? I wonder if I'd stay Would I ever see home again? I wonder if I'd stay Now would that be my journey's end? I wonder if I'd stay Would I ever feel love again? I wonder if I'd stay the summer rain But I'll miss Libby's face I love the London street But I miss the Texas highways And tell me if I go too far But i become the lonesome lone star And tell me if I go too far would I ever find my way back? I wonder if I stay. Would I ever see home again? I wonder if I stay. Now would that be my journey's end? I wonder if I stay.
Thank you. Come on. That's Abraham Alexander. Along with the E-Tones, Chris Engelman, Christian Teal, Adam Bodine, Helen Forrester. The record's called Seasons out on Dual Tone Records. He'll be back to play some more music later on in the show. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. By the way, as a reminder, for your viewing pleasure, there are over 2,000 videos on the E-Town YouTube channel for you to enjoy. You can also subscribe there in order to stay up to date with our latest video offerings, like from this week's show. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to E-Town. Coming up, the one and only Bruce Coburn is here. So we're excited about that. Before we get to music, um, just thinking about Abraham's family's journey, leaving Nigeria, moving to Greece, and finding that to be a real struggle, and then leaving again for the U.S. It's, it's kind of a global issue, a global crisis based on some very fundamental human needs. Parents want their kids to be healthy and safe. That's kind of the main thing. And um, that takes money, and that means getting work. And that also is dependent on the fact that most places need to have a government and a society that respects the rule of law. And that isn't the case in a lot of countries. Our next guest is Kelsey Freeman. She wrote a book called No Option But North, and it's based on her year um, on a Fulbright Fellowship down in Mexico. And she spent a lot of time interviewing Central American migrants. And those stories um, kind of highlight the challenge of uh, the failed state, essentially, when whole regions of Central America and Mexico basically were power was ceded to the drug cartels and the gangs. And so there's a bunch of heartbreaking stories. But it's important to talk about it. So um, she's currently studying international policy at Stanford. She may be ditching class, actually, to be here today. Uh, please help me welcome to E-Town, Kelsey Freeman. Kelsey, welcome. Your book is not exactly a beach book. It's not exactly like, you know, settle in and hang out. Um, powerful stories, great reporting. And I imagine that it was just an incredible um, opportunity for you to experience up close and personal what those lives and that particular part of the world feel like. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and I actually came to this work as I was focused much more on indigenous rights across Latin America, but I was seeing the intersections of indigenous rights and migration. Yeah and seeing the ways in which people find themselves in impossible situations where yeah. they're making choices that aren't really choices at all. And, and how did all that start? The indigenous rights was something that you were interested in when you were studying in college, or where, where did that begin? 
Yeah, that began when I was in high school, actually, doing work on the Pine Ridge Reservation. So oh, okay. I've continued to focus on indigenous rights, native rights, migration, and then increasingly on climate change and the ways in which it's exacerbating those yeah. issues. And climate change, of course, is producing a whole nother wave of migration and refugees who have to leave regions that are less inhabitable than they used to be. Yeah, that's very true. But I came into this book project in particular from one particular moment where I was traveling in southern Mexico doing research for that undergraduate thesis when the man next to me on the bus asked a question. He had been deported from California years earlier, and he asked me, how is it that you can come to my country to study my people well, I've been repeatedly denied for a visa to go back and visit my family in your country. And the question stuck with me, how could it not? Yeah. And it caused me to want to go back to Mexico and dig deeper into how is it that nationality and race and class all play a role in who gets to come to the U.S. through our authorized avenues and who has to take on this otherwise very perilous journey north. Yeah, and you, you probably didn't understand the depth of that peril until you started hearing these stories and you recognized that it was one after another after another, these hurdles that these sometimes, you know, single parents or families, mothers with children, whatever they were, at each step of the way, there was some uh, real, real danger. Yeah, that's very true. I spent my evenings in the local migrant shelter. I was in a city called Celaya, Guanajuato in Mexico, which is in central Mexico, right along the path that many Central American migrants take north because the freight train, what many migrants refer to as la bestia, the beast, bisects the city. Right. So migrants were coming through, taking this freight train that was never meant for human passengers, and that's just one uh, area of violence that they're navigating to get to the U.S. border, never mind cross it. Yeah. Um, paired with, you know, uh, this world where assault and kidnapping and rape and even death are absurdly common. Yeah, and the, and the train is dangerous too itself, yeah. But I imagine if this is a, if the train goes through your town, that means that some people are both guarding the train or the officials are looking for people, migrants on the train, and also probably gangs are looking for people on the train, right? Yeah, so Central American migrants, the minute they step into Mexico, they become exceedingly vulnerable. And there's a whole cast of characters that take advantage of that vulnerability, mm -hmm. including Mexico's immigration patrol, including cartels that kind of will board these freight trains to kidnap migrants in mass or to rob them or assault them. Um, again, they're taking advantage of this vulnerability because everyone is looking the other way or everyone's in, involved. Yeah, that's true too. I think one of the things that really surprised me in speaking with people was just how willing uh, folks were to share their stories with me, mm -hmm. given they're navigating this world where they don't know who they can trust. That became particularly clear to me when accusations came out that the shelter that I was going to was tied up with organized crime itself. Right. So when even the supposed refuges aren't safe, migrants are truly navigating yeah. this world where they don't know who they can trust. Not to be a, a plot spoiler, but that was a bit of a bummer at the end of your book to discover that this place that you were doing all these interviews turned out to be, you know, in collusion with maybe sort of selling migrants to the cartels, which was just 
pretty horrible. That was the allegation. Yeah. That was the allegation that came out yeah. that was told to me. And so I, you know, as a, I was 23 at that point, um, doing these interviews, was trying to think about what do I do with this information? Do I go to the police? Do I go to the media? And that just kind of highlights the ways in which these key state entities are ensnared yeah. with um, violence. And so I went to the Fulbright Commission. I told them. And what did they do? They scooped me out of my... Uh, host city. <laughs> they plopped me down in a city an hour away that was much safer. And then I went home at the end of my grant. So it begs the question, who has the right to be safe? I certainly did, as yeah. I was scooped out of this place where I wasn't really in danger sure. in the first place. But the migrants I interviewed decidedly do not. Yeah. In case you just tuned in, you're listening to E-Town. I'm here with Kelsey Freeman. So um, those are stories that are, that are not common. There's a lot of misconceptions, I think, about migration. And, you know, we obviously um, believe in secure borders and we believe that, you know, we, we need a, our elected officials to work on immigration policy and refugee policies. But it's hard to imagine having an impact. So what kind of feedback have you gotten? You shared these stories. They're tragic. They're heart-wrenching. They're real. Um, what kind of response have you gotten to your book? I think the key thing about the book is I've tried not to just share stories, but situate them in the policies and practices that render them possible in the first place. Uh, I've had a lot of really moving conversations with folks who have read the book. And if anything, it's made me believe wholeheartedly in the power of stories, stories that are true and that you know, talk about violence in this uh, authentic way, but that are ultimately about people's dignity as human beings. And I believe in the power of those stories to inspire political action and to help us make sense of the political world in which we're living in. Mm -hmm. And um, in that light, are you um, sending copies to your congressional delegation and others? I, I have been, you yeah. know, I sent one copy to my senator, which yeah. was great. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I think one of the things being in graduate school that I've been thinking about is how do I leverage this network that I'm in to kind of connect policy with the people who are affected by those policies. That's my overall goal in all the work I do is bridging um, policies with the on the ground effect that it has. Yeah. So, um, so as you glimpse into the future, is there a pathway towards a safe passage for some of these families? Or, or more to the point, I think it's really about trying to heal some of these failed states and make it safe to live in El Salvador, make it safe to live in Guatemala, make it safe to raise your family in some of these places so that uh, it isn't, as your book is titled, No Option But North. Truly, I think the goal is to help prioritize people's individual agency in this process and communities agency. I've been doing more and more research about climate change and the way in which it's exacerbating migration. And one of the key takeaways there is I am drawn to solutions where people have the choice, you know, where if they need to migrate, they have avenues to do so in an orderly fashion where they're not risking their lives. Um, and go navigating this web of violence, or if they want to stay in place, if they want to adapt to the effects of climate change, they have the resources and support to make that happen. So I know that sounds idealistic in the current political yeah. world we're in, but I think when I look around at um, 
you know, my generation and folks um, kind of continuing to focus on this issue who really care about climate change, who understand that it has profound human rights implications and who understand that in more than an abstract way. I think we're long term, we will move towards an immigration system that prioritizes um, humanity in the process. Yeah. And I think for all the tragedy and all the disappointment and all the challenges, even Abraham Alexander's story has some happy ending resolution, an opportunity for this Nigerian family to find their way to the States. And, um, you know, it can end well. Yeah, and some yeah. stories do have happy endings. I mean, one particular story from my book does have a happy ending where, you know, I, I interviewed Roberto, this uh, migrant from El Salvador who was fleeing gang violence, who got to the U.S. and spent a year in, in a detention center, even though he was applying for political asylum. Later, he got um, involved in a, with an organization who could argue his case for him. He received political asylum, and then two months ago, he called me up, and he said, Kelsey, I have something to tell you. And I got all worried. I was like, what happened? Is he okay? And he said, I just got my green card in the mail. And that was truly meaningful to me. He's someone I've stayed in touch with since um, I met him years ago. And for him to know that he has that stability, mm -hmm. that the ground isn't moving underneath his feet yeah. in this moment is huge. Yeah, well, I, I can say that it was, it's, it's one story out of many that has a happy ending because most of them don't. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't know them and we shouldn't read about them, we shouldn't learn about them. So thanks for sharing those stories. And thanks for being here. Thank you very yeah. much for having me. The book is called No Option But North, thanks to Kelsey Freeman, author and student. Good job, Kelsey. Thank you. Thank you. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. I want to say hello to our listeners who are hearing E-Town on stations like KXT 91.7 in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, on WUGA in Athens, Georgia, and on KRML in Carmel, California. As always, if you want more information about any of the stuff, you want to see exactly uh, what color Bruce Coburn's shoes are, uh, there are photographs and videos and all kinds of stuff on the website etown.org. Um, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, and uh, you can subscribe to the podcast and hear all kinds of shows. Um, right now, time to welcome back our friend from the North, Bruce Coburn, has been at this for a while. He was in a band that opened for Jimi Hendrix. He was in a band that opened for Cream, just to put it in context. <laughs> he went out on his own and um, in the late 60s. I think I first saw him at a folk festival in maybe 1970 or 71 in New York. 
But he, he was already a big deal in Canada at the time, and he became a big deal everywhere. Shortly thereafter, with this song, Wondering Where the Lions Are, and then uh, If I Had a Rocket Launcher, he's sold millions of records, he's won many Juno Awards, he's performed all over the world, he's a guy who wants to shine a light on injustice or pathways to peace. He is a great singer and guitar player. He's written hundreds of songs. Please welcome back to E-Town, Bruce Coburn. Hi. Hi, everybody. Thanks for being here, and thank you for that lovely welcome. And uh, now i got to live up to all that stuff that he spouted at you. I'm not sure that'll happen, but, but uh, yeah, you know, it's been quite a long run, and a lot of stuff has happened during that 60 years and plus. Um, we're all very aware of the tragic events in Maui recently. Um, I I've, I've feel particularly bothered by it because uh, it's a place that's meant a lot to my family and me over the last few years. We're, we've been there a few times and two summers ago we were rented a house and we were there for about a month with some other friends and, um, and I got a whole bunch of songs out of that, that experience being there and this is one of them and it's so I guess this is going out to the survivors, or perhaps the people who didn't survive. Armor and into the 
Into the now, into the now Out of the armor and into the now To all the places where I've never some in the distance and some in my skin I raise a glass like a bright crystal ball See if I get there at the end of it all End of it all, end of it all See if I get there at the end of it all
was cold The ether warm Pressure building Left and right Time are ticking Just out of sight I'm taking shelter In the light Time takes its toll But in my soul I'm on a roll Time takes its toll But in my soul I'm on a roll Time takes its toll But in my soul I'm on a roll Time takes its toll That's Bruce Coburn here at E-Town. Along with E-Tones, that's Chris Engelman, Christian Teal, Adam Bodine, Helen Forster. The record is called O Sun, O Moon. Bruce Coburn, thank you so much for being on E-Town again. We have time for one more song. I want to get all our guests out here. Say thanks to everybody. We, uh, we had a cool combination of stuff. I want to thank... Uh, uh, Kelsey Freeman, uh, the author of the book No Option But North, for sharing her stories that she collected down there in Mexico, helping us understand a little bit more about the plight of migrants aiming towards this country. Thanks again to Abraham Alexander. Thanks to the E-Tones and Ellen Forster. Thanks to Bruce Coburn. We've got one more song. We were talking about how um, Bruce was paying attention to some of those uh, early recordings of some of the pioneers of American blues and gospel music, and one of the most cosmic of them, among them, was Blind Willie Johnson. And here is a uh, Blind Willie Johnson song for you right now. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town. Please answer if you can Is there anybody's children can tell me Tell me what is the soul of a man Won't somebody tell me Answer if you can Somebody tell me, tell me what
everyone i want to let you know that we got so much good stuff at this show we decided to cut it into two parts and next week please join us for part two featuring my great conversation with bruce coburn and more music from him and abraham alexander that'll be next week in part two This is a production of E-Town.